Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions, and best of all, it's totally free zero catch we've been using it ever since we started how long gone and ever since i discovered spotify for podcasters i feel like having the option of turning off the q a's and the polls on the user dashboard <laughs> has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level i highly recommend giving it a try download the spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started over here having a chill tuesday drinking some coffee it's very somber over here in glendale bay is working all week it's just so just me and the uh and the pooches look i'm going through it myself over here i don't know if you heard about what happened well a lot of stuff happened since we last spoke so it could be any number of things chris Uh, hopefully hopefully the olympics haven't got to you i don't know what it could be you know, I just don't trust myself as much as I used to, and I, I don't know if it's you know my age, um, but I'm just I'm getting a little more nervous when I when I podcast. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's your age because you should be getting less nervous the more you podcast. Just broad strokes, first glance. No, no, I mean you're right, <laughs> you're right. Last episode, I wanted to do it for myself. This episode, uh, I, I need to do it for myself, and and I, you know I can't do it for other people. Um, it just, it just hurts my heart so badly when I, when I podcast for other people, do you ever get that feeling? I I don't don't know if I've ever podcasted for other people. Usually whenever I podcast, it's always quite selfish and I'm, and I'm really pretty much just trying to look funnier, better and smarter than everyone else involved in whatever podcast I'm taking part in. Not this one, of course, but after my performance on the last podcast, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I stepped out of bounds a few times. I had some deductions and Mm -hmm. I, I was ready to bow out. Um, but you have talked me back onto the, the, the uneven bars, Jason. So I want to thank you for that. Okay, so you have to learn that not every podcast is going to be gold, Chris. Yeah, yeah, it's a t- it's a team sport, and if you know if we're if we're getting a bronze, you know you can still bite into that for the mm-hmm. Sports Illustrated picture. <laughs> I just think of us as a gold medal podcast. We are a gold medal you know podcast. What I mean? Don't worry. No, okay, but uh, you know, even Phelps is going to have a bad day. You know what I'm saying? He- yeah, yeah. When Phelps crashed the Jeep, Jeep Wrangler into a wall when he was gone Phelps off the had, turkeys, maybe he, did he have had a bad more day. than one bad day. I mean, I mean, Phelps had a bad couple years. Okay. Well, bro. he had I mean, he had Phelps some bad beat. times, sure, but he he never really had too much of a bad day in the in the pool, though. No, he didn't. But I've been glued to the Olympics, which I know may surprise you, but but I've been I'm in Atlanta at the time. Nobody even knows how to watch the Olympics anymore. You have to literally be watching it. 
in your parents' house on their basic cable plan. Is that what you're doing, Chris? That is exactly what I'm doing. But so we were we were looking into Michael Phelps, who's who's now a um, he's like a, a commentator, but he has he's got three kids. Did you know that? I did not know that. I mean, I don't really know anything about Michael Phelps at all, except good swimmer, then became kind of like a spokesperson for marijuana use. And he, since he's white and a guy, he seemed to have not and no problems with that. He was no never disqualified or anything like that. Yeah, I just want to quickly go over his kids' names because they were pretty surprising to oh me. Okay, um, okay. This this actually it, it sounds like it sounds like three distinct uh, black rifle coffee flavors <laughs> Boomer Boomer Maverick and Beckett and and, and the, the weirdest part all girls yeah the the wildest thing is yeah so I I've been I've been watching Olympics pretty pretty seriously I don't know if you've been tuning into the games but Fuck no um I watched these divers bro oh my god these male divers fam. These guys got abs. They look. They're looking fucking crazy. Yeah, man. of course. I like, mean, not like so ripped. When I was so talking about ripped. my Phelps rundown of what I know about him before, other than you know being swimmer, having one of the sickest bodies of all time. Like you know, for for being somebody yeah. who's not like a you know a, a weightlifter, gym rat kind of guy, just your natural swimming muscles. Like he looks good. I mean, look, I've been watching the Olympics. I've been cramming. I, I'm you know I'm sad to see. Um, Simone Biles bow out because she lost, you know, and didn't want to lose more. Um, okay, so I because that just happened, you know, for listeners listening, you know, this is probably old news for them, but this this was just surfacing when we recorded this podcast, so I don't exactly know what happened. So she didn't win the gold medal, and she's now pulling herself out of the Olympics. Not that she didn't win the gold medal, she had a poor performance last night uh, in the team the team competition, and then came out and said basically. I just can't do it. It is kind of which, which I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of conversations around like athletes and mental health and and you know that mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah. Um, which you know, sure. Yeah. Um, but in this case, the timing feels very interesting. Like, I, like Naomi Osaka said, I don't want to talk to the press, and then they were like, Well, you have to, and she's like, Nah, fuck y'all. Which I kind of understand a little bit more. Yeah. Simone Biles, the greatest of all time, no question. She's already solidified as the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Said. I had a bad one, and now I'm not feeling good about myself. You know, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah, that's what happens when you have a bad performance doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like if I, you know, if I go to Barry's and I don't get three on the treadmill, I don't get my money back. <laughs> I have to. I just that's that's just how the cookie crumbles. Okay. You know what I mean? So so we're so the, uh, the the future generation of athletes might be rewriting mm-hmm. what it means to be a champion for our kind of. Our, our our boomer ears you know back in the day you know you never give up exactly well you know against all odds leave it all know, in the field like you, you if you're a you know if you're a basketball player you never you even if you're down by 20 you play until the last second exactly hustle if you're a baseball player and you do an easy pop-up you run it out every time that's just what they teach you it's part of being an, an athlete yeah. a champion you know sportsmanship and learning how to take an L, um, and I, you know, maybe she, I mean, she really, like you said before, she really is the greatest. 
So maybe Grows she's the like, goat. I mean, no she's question. like, damn, this is the first time I've ever lost anything. Fuck this. And this is a hat that I just tried on and I don't like how it feels. So fuck y'all. Maybe that, I mean, maybe it's just as simple as that. It could be. And that's, but I, I, I think that a true champion would just take the L like, I'm going to keep competing and lose. And I've already got five gold medals. Fuck it. I'm still mm-hmm. the best. You know, I don't know. It's, it's okay, well, interesting. May, maybe let's, let me try to put this, um, put this gold medal around the neck of uh, of somebody that you might be able to wrap your head around more wrap your neck okay. around more okay so okay wh- how would you feel if let's say Haley bieber went to <laughs> one oak and they didn't let her in at the door and then the next day she went on instagram and said you know what fuck this i'm never going to the club again i'm over it the whole club system is trash would you congratulate her and say yes queen the club system is trash that is bad it is you know being denied at the door is bad for your mental health no would i wouldn't you, jason i would, would say, say pick yourself up and try again here's what i would say i would say go back to calabasas yeah put on your tightest body con dress okay. and you get back out there and you fucking do this again until you get in you pray to jesus <laughs> and you bring your famous husband if you have to but they're gonna let you in Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand for this shit, Jason. And I I think that thank you for making that mm-hmm. um a little easier for me to comprehend. Google Translate for you. What brand body yeah. con dress does she need to reach for in order to get through those velvet ropes at One Oak? I mean, I'm not sure what kind of deals she's working with. I, I imagine she probably has a Calvin Klein contract. I'm sure there could be a, a Saint Laurent deal. Um, yeah, you know, you know that, whoever's paying her the I'm most. Not, I'm not wearing Calvin to the club. I need something a little nastier. We're not going full fashion Nova, but you know, I mean, and I know that Bodycon is not your particular branch of fashion. I'm not, you know, I'm not into, I'm not into sexy clothing, as you know. Um, <laughs> I, I truly, I, I, I mean, you don't have to answer it now. Come back to me. Maybe our listeners will, you know, our listeners DM Chris with the perfect. Just, <laughs> just let him know. Flood the inbox. Please don't. But I'm just I'm suffering from I'm just suffering from riches over. I got too many riches today because we also have I, I don't want to you know li, li, just end beginning begin and end with sports because that's not what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you were able to catch the uh, Young Thug NPR Tiny Desk concert where he is now in an alternative press style punk band that sucks. Yeah, it's definitely a good example of uh, you know the music industry ruining. Everything all over again. I, I did watch a little bit of that. And, you know, it's it was not a Tiny Desk concert. It was in the backyard of a mansion somewhere in, like, Tallahassee or something. They still call it a Tiny Desk concert. Just I know. Understand. I know. So that part, I don't like that. It's not a Tiny Desk concert. You're already mad. You're already mad. There's nothing. Yeah, and the whole point of a Tiny Desk concert, you know, it's like when a band gets asked to do MTV's Unplugged, and they're like, yeah, we're just, I'm going to bring my fucking electric guitar <laughs> My my sense. I'm gonna play a Telecaster, but it's gonna be low. It's gonna be low. Like I'm gonna turn it down in the in the in the Fender tube. You know what I mean? It's all it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It, it was so bad, and <laughs> it was the, the thing that the thing that pisses me. I mean, the, there's two things that piss me off a lot about it. Is Thug has has been a brain dead rapper for a while now. Um, he hasn't. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time a Young Thug song came out where I was like, oh, this is sick. Um, obviously I've loved his, you know, many of his songs for many years, but it's been, it's been five plus since a good, but one. his rapping was very clear and, and like decently calculated. And like, that was probably his best rapping performance I've heard him 
live in you know since i can remember mm-hmm. and it was a shame that that was wasted on mm-hmm. four studio musicians wearing pink crop top hoodies in the backyard of a mansion <laughs> you know just guys you know just like the most basic ass bros you've ever seen in your entire life who are, who are like excited to play do like pop punk cosplay and it just made me think of the young thug of you know pikachu era where he was so unique Ooh. he was so interesting he was so creative he so didn't care about everything and he just you know bucked the system he was whatever was happening in the norm he was the opposite another rapper another rapper linking up with travis barker and getting his career ruined well i think that there's a possibility like he's he's doing it worse than olivia rodrigo like it's it's bad bro olivia rodrigo is doing it well this shit trash but i think that the he has an album coming out and i just i want you to guess what the title is before we before we tease our guest I mean, is it involving sex or lean? Neither one. That's the problem. It's just simply titled PUNK in all caps. God damn it. (laughs) I mean, that's the... So just so we know what to expect, at least, he's not surprising us. He's he's letting us know exactly (laughs) off rip what's happening but does that make it better or worse i i I guess it makes it better because when when young thug first came out he really was like the definition of punk and now that he's making his punk album that is called punk Mm -hmm. he couldn't be further from that yeah which um which i don't know if which and like i said before it's a testament to how terrible the music industry is I don't know how much of that is his fault and how much of that is this beautiful, unique Great point. flower that has been compromised by a bunch of frat bro A&Rs who are more concerned with, you know, college football than, you know, discovering cool and unique music. We need more women in the industry. I, I, I saw a video of Willow Smith doing like a punk version of, of Whip My Hair Back and Forth where she dramatically shaved her head. I, saw that. I mean, this is fucking insane, dude. That is so lame. That, like um, so yeah, deeply lame. That, that is so deeply lame and you know uh, everyone on her team was probably like yes this is going to be it this is going to be sick yeah and gassed her this up. is her red table <laughs> it, you know what there were a lot of through lines and, and i'll talk to our guest about this more because it's a this thing that a lot of people have been watching but um yeah well, it, it reminded me of the woodstock 99 documentary that just came out um over the weekend on hbo that a lot of people are talking about but there's the scene which I forgot, you know, so many things that I forgot from from '99, but uh, where Wyclef <laughs> recreates the Jimi Hendrix playing yes, the Star Spangled yes, Banner so and torched. then lights his guitar <laughs> on fire, but and has a hard time lighting it on. Has fire. a very hard time lighting. Yeah, like all the technology of 1969, Jimi Hendrix was able to light a guitar on fire, no problem. You squirt lighter fluid on it and you strike a match and then it goes up and you light it Wyclef for you know he needed five different people he could never light it he smashed it and it was just it was just so not pathetic it. And, it, and the and the dark part is you know in their head they think it's when it. they think of this idea they're like this is going to be it this is my fucking moment <laughs> i'm gonna change the game forever and then everyone in their camp is like yes bro 
yes, bro, this is going to be so sick. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for this moment. It doesn't do. It didn't. And nobody in his camp work. is just like, well, maybe we need to just play Gone Till November, fam. Like that's what we want, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. All right, all right. We're gonna we need to talk about Jesse. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Pearson uh, was the editor in chief of Vice Magazine uh, from 2002 to 2010. He then started a, a great uh, magazine called Apology that is also a podcast now. Um, he's been involved in a bunch of the Vice TV projects, and he also worked at Index Magazine, which is my favorite magazine of all time oh, really? uh, in New York. But, but, but yeah, w- how he got his start in his career. Uh, so I can't wait to um, mm. dig into that with him, as well as his absolute love of the band Rusted Root uh, from <laughs> from Woodstock '99. It's going to be great to get into that with him. Okay, let's let's give this Rusted man a <laughs> zoom. How long gone? is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we're spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. and uh, Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are... So many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got RAF on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right 
for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners... Our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. How are you? You're coming in from, from New York City. Is that true? LA. LA. Oh, shit. Damn. What's up, baby? Are you Hollywood now? I'm living in West Hollywood. No, I'm living in. I'm over. Uh, in, I'm in a neighborhood that doesn't have a cool name, so I don't like saying it. Downtown? No, Her- Herman. I'm in Herman. Herman. What the fuck is Herman? <laughs> Herman. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's Jason's uncle from Virginia. Are you sure? <laughs> I think her is Herman on the way to Barstow. No, that's that's, that that's Norman. That's Norman. <laughs> Herman is Herman is Herman is this like it's like a sliver. In between Highland Park and South Pass. Very interesting. Yeah, little little isthmus. Okay. Not that, I mean, Jason is a lifelong L.A. resident. I, I'm pretty familiar, and I, I live there part-time, but I've never, have Jason, have you ever heard of Herman? Uh, I, I've never heard of Herman, but I just gave it a quick Google map, and is this over by Arroyo Seco Park? Exactly. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. sometimes we, Chris and I have played tennis over there a few times. Um, Tim, oh, yeah. Tim, that's Tim's spot, but... Uh, amazing neighborhood over there oh okay amazing neighborhood whenever i go play tennis over there and i'm driving through um all those houses the only i mean it's always hot as fuck it's for some reason yeah yeah yeah. more like forest foresty and wildernessy it's it's like 10 degrees hotter than it is yeah it's like it's like living inside a cast iron skillet and i just moved here like three weeks ago i was up in mount washington Mm mm-hmm in like you know the forested hills where it's nice and breezy, and then I came down here to the flats where it's basically I cook all day long. But it is a great neighborhood. It is great. Yeah, I like it. It's got its own sign. I love I love this LA this LA journey for you. I didn't know you were a, a, a classic New York to LA graduate. Um, I am like like myself. I've been here for six years, but even you know, Chris, before before here, I spent two years in Atlanta. Oh shit. Baby, I didn't know. I'm actually I'm in Atlanta right now. Wow. Um, and it is hot as hell, uh, as you can imagine. Yeah. And I'm might just stay though because the mask is nowhere to be found. So there are <laughs> the upsides to this. I, I'm actually going to a I'm going to a tennis. There's a tennis tournament tonight, uh, or in town that I'm going to tonight, and I'm a little concerned for my well being in this heat, even when the sun goes down. I would be too, yeah. I, but I've heard that the Delta variant doesn't really transmit in uh, extreme humidity, so I guess you'll be fine, probably. Oh, damn! So we're good. Yeah. Damn, good to know. Thanks, Doctor Jesse. That makes me feel better because earlier in the week I was complaining about a guy who kept coughing in the sauna. So I mean, 
name, if you could name a more human now. environment than that, I'll wait. <laughs> I challenge Sonners you. are safe. Why did you? Why did you live here? Were you doing? Were you working at like an Adult Swim situation? I was at Adult Swim adjacent. My wife at the time was working at Adult Swim, so we went down there from New York. And um, I gotta say, man, Atlanta didn't didn't really treat me very well. It was kind of a hell ride. <laughs> hell ride, yeah, bitch. A haunted yeah. hell ride. Go yeah, on. You can't cut. That's because you didn't. That's because you didn't tap in with me, bro. You gotta come on, mm-hmm. man. You tap in with the local. I, I was I was with locals. Well, transplants. I, my only friends there were the ATL twins. Let's just let's just <laughs> okay. So let's just get it out yeah. there. And say <laughs> it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to even say to, to even call them a friend is something quite special. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like that you're using the singular as well. Well, they they travel in a pack. I didn't know. I mean, look, I I can understand that. I mean, I'm I'm born and raised here, and like I I don't really have that many friends left. If I if I'm being honest, and I come, I see my family, I go to a few restaurants, I try to check out a few new restaurants, then I leave. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if coming down here blind uh would be the move you know what i mean what were you into what were you doing at the time in your life well i was i was working on apology my magazine obviously that's and then then you know writing freelance journalism here and there other than that i hung out with the twins and i power lifted <laughs> what oh shit. damn you're the perfect you're the perfect how long gone guest where were you lifting right. in the atl uh it's called it was called uh unit unit two fitness right off ponce in midtown oh yeah i'm familiar with unit two and that's a is that a little nod to hollywood you know when you have two units running i wonder if it oh is. wow um, that's, that's a pretty deep <laughs> reference for those dudes if so i don't think so man yeah they're probably not where were your haunts though were you going anywhere were you hitting aurora for a coffee were you getting uh you know were you going to the varsity for a hamburger what kind of vibe were, were, how were you living i was going to unit two and then i was going home okay all right well okay, that's fair so enough. so you were living a very action bronson style existence yeah yeah Just... I, was a, I was a spartan no i mean <laughs> i was going to um jim right repeat was your mantra jim right edit repeat <laughs> got it yeah <laughs> real excited uh, no i mean look at Atlanta- no fucking pussies allowed no pussies <laughs> yeah not for me um <laughs> no, I mean Atlanta was like you know in like in like Greek myth when the gods like curse a mortal and just throw a bunch of horrible shit at him. Sure, that's what it was. That's what it was for me. I mean, just I don't know why, but everything went wrong. Like I remember my my second week there, we were a, a pipe burst in our bedroom, so we woke up being sprayed with cold water in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so well, 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 that was being fixed. I had to sleep on a couch in the in the in the day room, like in the front. Coming from New York, where I was used to living like on the fifth floor, the fourth floor. I was always sleeping next to open windows. Yeah. It didn't occur to me, don't do that in Midtown Atlanta, right? Could you explain why not for our, our uninitiated listeners? Because miscreants wander. They wander the streets. We're talking about a breaking and entering? We're talking about, a, I woke <laughs> up with a guy who looked, and I'm not, this is not hyperbole, looked exactly mm-hmm. like John Wayne Gacy halfway in my window. <laughs> Terrified. Shit, and man. I jumped up and I screamed and I, I literally hit, hit, swung at him with a pillow. <laughs> okay. a, a classic oh, power great. lifters move right exactly i was gonna show yeah. him how how we do and he chopped out of the window you didn't live here long enough to buy a gun i guess that's i had actually no I no i actually had numerous guns but they came a couple weeks later oh i see so it's just it was new your walmart order had so shipped yet. so the main reason why you had problems in atlanta georgia was shipping delays on the firearm right right
right. Background checks. That was the problem. Okay. So not even the ATL twins could save you is what you're saying. No, no. They don't have superpowers, believe it or not. <laughs> as much as we'd like to believe. You know Thomas Morton, right, Chris? I, don't I, know. Do, I, do, I, I do know Thomas very well. Jason, um, Thomas is an old friend of uh, both of ours, but he's actually from here as well. Okay. Um, but he's like an OG. You remember him from Vice. He was like the nerdy white guy who they'd send into crazy situations. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ba- baby got balls. It, got it. Um, <laughs> baby balls. Yeah, you may. <laughs> I was. You may know yeah. him by his pseudonym. By, by his work, his work name, baby balls. But yeah, um, he he. His dad had passed like a year before. He came down to visit, and he was like, "Hey, I have something for you if you wanted. I have a toolbox full of guns that you that you can take because I don't know where to put them. My mom doesn't want them in the house. So I met up with him, and he gave me you know a, like a craftsman toolbox with I think four. Four firearms in it. Baby balls Shit. delivered. The, delivered. The, the, the you were strapped up. He came dog. through. Baby balls you were came strapped through. Strapped up. Okay, so were were you a gun guy before this? A little bit. Yeah, a little okay. bit. I did a thing. Um, I got Vice to pay for. I, I used to get Vice to just pay for stuff I wanted to do. You know. Yeah, I've read that Vice does that. You know, sometimes I don't know about. I don't know about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about currently. You, yeah, Jason remembers the gross jar. You know, pretty well. So I think that's what he's talking about. Did you witness the gross jar in person? No, never did. Never got a whiff. I unfortunately have. I've I've witnessed the gross yeah. jar in person. It's too far. I feel like Chris, you might have been it's there the far. night that we, the day that we opened it, and uh, Ty dyed some T-shirts <laughs> with the liquid that was inside. Oh <laughs> no, I did miss. I did miss that day. Thank God. But I, 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 I sorry, sorry to distract from the the weapons. But wait. Should we say what the gross jar was or just let people kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of our young, hip listeners might not know what that is. And that's a shame that they don't. That's like not knowing like who the Sex Pistols were or something. Like We got to educate these kids. I agree. A, a fine analogy. Um, the gross jar was a huge pickle jar, um, like an industrial-sized pickle jar <laughs> mm-hmm. that we would just put horrible things in. Um, it started with basic stuff like urine and shit and <laughs> bl- blood. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, the best, I think the best thing was one day we came into the office and found a, a rat had like come up through the pipes into the toilet and drowned in there. Okay. That feels gross to me. Very much so. So we put, we put the whole, we put the entire rat in there. Um, mm-hmm. Th- Thomas once had to get his, give his cat like a radioactive medicine to like, I forget what it was, but basically he had radioactive cat shit. So we put that in there, just things like that. And then, and then we would do a monthly report on it in the magazine and on the website. So anyway. Yeah, er, yeah every month, every month you would pick up the Vice magazine and there would be like an, an update. Like here's what the gross jar looks like now. Right, you know, right. Here's how it has decomposed. Here's all the new bacterial growth, fungi and stuff like that back when back when vice did real journalism exactly honestly honestly i'd rather read that i'd rather read that than another report on like you know war crimes yeah I'm I mean, you know what i mean well, it's, it, me too me too i'm not a gross guy i like don't like gross stuff actually but i found that very funny i found that really really funny it was just so stupid <laughs> we made it we made it work somehow yeah but anyway yeah guns yeah so i got vice to pay for me to go to this um this like survivalist training camp in the Nevada desert mm-hmm. to take like um like a like a like a four day handgun course that was like mm-hmm. one of the f- most fun weekends I've ever had. Um, they had like a fa- <laughs> a fake a fake suburban house set up out there in in, in the desert in the town mm-hmm. of in the town of Pahrump, Nevada. Oh yeah, and um you you did a fake home like a home invasion scenario Sick. right with with lot with live ammo with like you know. 
So this like like a like a piece of wood with like one of those like target guys taped to it would pop up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's they had the one where it's the guy holding a gun to a woman's head. Have you ever seen that one? Classic hostage situation. Oh yeah, you know the one. Yeah. And she kind of looks like Elaine from Seinfeld, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> but it pops up, and the guy who's training me and walking There's me a story there. The, yeah, the guy who's walking me through it when that one pops up, he goes, "Put the gun down, or I'm going to kill this bitch." So he's like, <laughs> kind of like giving me like a role playing aspect. He's narrating, well. we're narrating what this cardboard cutout might have said. Right, and that meant that I was allowed to shoot that guy. So anyway, yeah, it was really, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, but I had a history of like you know just going to the gun range and everything before that too. Are you from? Are you from New Jersey? I'm from like multiple Philadelphia suburbs in PA and New Jersey. We shit on Philadelphia a lot on this podcast. So I've I've heard I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> really? How have you heard that? I put on one random – I've listened to like a few when you guys – I mean I've listened to a few before, but when you guys asked me to be on, I listened to a Thanks, few Justin. pointedly. You're welcome. <laughs> and there was a, wom- a, a woman was on who was in Philly, and you guys were ragging pretty hard. Um, it was only a few episodes back, I think. I can't remember her. Yeah, Chrissy Chrissy Malazzo, right. a friend of yeah, the show. Right. Yeah, well, I mean she also relocated there like kind of willy-nilly for a man. Right. You know, and it just seems like a crazy place to, to move. You know? My, de- my um, deal with Philly is I, I love it, but I totally understand why people who aren't from there don't love it. And a smart man should feel that way about any city they live in. I think you're, I think you're right, yeah. Good, good point. Well, I'm glad that you're listening to the pod that is um, me too that makes me, me feel good yeah i'm enjoying it yeah it makes me feel good too we like to have you know successful intelligent listeners as well as dum-dums um we try to run the gamut <laughs> i'm not um, i'm not sure which so one you decide which one you are yeah. yeah you decide which one that was kind of the game no there. you're you're not uh, on the dum-dum scale don't worry jesse let's wait till the end of the conversation then you can decide <laughs> how much djing have you done that'll affect it a lot i've done a lot I've done a lot of djing uh, okay that's not gonna help you out then Hell yeah, yeah. unfortunately i had um i had a fucking residency at plaid on union square in the early 2000s oh shit oh. let's go baby yep yep we're gonna do 30 mi- we're gonna do 30 minutes on bar 13 apt <laughs> um i mean we could we could keep it we could keep it going you went to bar 13 on sunday night I'm that sorry. was like the mod night right yeah but it would be like the white stripes and jimmy fallon and the stroke yeah Coke. like that yeah, yeah. era I, like the real prime era i was there man I was there jason la was different bro you were what were you doing hanging out with hanging out with chad muska maybe <laughs> <laughs> what was there what was the restaurant that uh ashton kutcher owned you're probably there with chad muska uh i mean which one he had a pretty diverse portfolio <laughs> he had a portfolio yeah yeah geisha geisha house was the sushi and then there was a italian there was definitely an italian place um yeah geisha house that he was in there with um with my man my with your boy masterson <laughs> with your dog right i remember i got the whole boat sent out when i was with masterson one time master was yeah masterson was impressed by that oh <laughs> uh, you were talking about dolce dolce no it was the very first there's one name that i really want to pick up on it was the first one that they all owned like the whole that 70s cast it's not geisha house i do li- i do like that their japanese restaurant they managed to use like one of the most boring cultural stereotypes in the name though <laughs> I mean that was like that was Don't like during that. like okay. entourage level discourse like it was just you know you were lucky that you got Geisha House as a name like yeah really it could have been worse I've been to Dolce actually had a location in Atlanta yeah yeah before yeah, I yeah. moved to New York I've dined at Dolce 
they they expanded, but there was I think there Jesse's right. I think there were like three restaurants. Mm-hmm. I think there was like Geisha House, Dolce, and there was there was one other one that they were really. But Jason definitely has eaten at all of those places. I would say. Oh, uh, maybe ketchup. That's not. I'm sorry, I'm pulling you guys into the weeds on this. We can let it go. But there was one. It no, was these are weeds. These are weeds that Daddy likes. Just to let you know, this is where we live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it was a nightclub. Maybe it was a nightclub. Uh, wait, hide, hide. Uh, hide. Oh, hide. Come on, bro. That's an ultra lounge. That's an okay. ultra lounge with food. They have food there, right, Jason? There's small. There's there's small bites. Sure. Small plates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but all of all of Ashton small, and, <laughs> small plates. All all of Ashton and Wilmer's restaurants. They're more than just you know. They're they're club like settings. You know, you could yeah. You can seamlessly transition from a dining experience into a cooking experience. It's experiential. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They Let's serve you decks. ecstasy on a side plate with with a knife and fork. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> I liked when Ashton Kutcher showed. I liked when he showed up on um, Shark Tank as one of the sharks. What a tra- what a transformation to go from really the world's hottest dummy and to to think of him and just how much of a dumb like a doofus he was <laughs> and now he's like a he's like an entrepreneurial inspirational tech leader yeah he's like Mark Cuban in training man damn well I mean Ashton is uh, but I feel like also I feel like more so now than in our our younger days like actors are just happy to stop acting it's like cameron diaz yeah like cameron diaz makes wine now and she's married and has kids and is rich and she's like i'm good i don't need to do this like i've I found something yeah. else i made a lot of money not all actors really though hot. chris some people cannot give up the spotlight and that's why they're doing like they're you know hosting america's got talent and shit like that when they already have 400 million in the bank like but i mean it's it's more acceptable now i think to walk yeah, away yeah i think you're right and, and mm, then mm, than it was at it that it used time. to be a thing like like when like greta garbo stopped acting it was like it became the whole story about her it was like a huge big deal like where'd garbo go and now it's just kind of like I haven't seen Cameron Diaz in a while. Big deal. You yeah. You you just assume that they became an influencer, or they just want to like raise their family and chill. And this is because everybody in America is supposed to be an entrepreneur now. That's right. Damn, that's an interesting. That that is that is as I mean, you know, Jesse, you've you've had jobs. Jason and I have never really had jobs, probably <laughs> you know, in, in some way. Uh, and, you know, he he ran Vice Magazine. You know, that's there's a little bit of not real job energy that, going on there. No offense, no offense, of course. No, no, it wasn't work ever. <laughs> it was all it was it, when you love when you love what you do. It's not work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad is a, is a, you know he's never had he's always owned his own accounting business. So I think it was in in my blood a little bit maybe but i do think that the expectation now is you gotta rise and grind and get yours and yeah you 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 everybody can do that which is also like everybody shouldn't do this it kind of sucks half the time it does and i have a theory as to why this is if you want to i don't know if it's going to bore you but i can throw it out there real quick no we love theories does it involve chrissy does it involve chrissy teigen or no how did you know <laughs> well, yeah, I said I'm an entrepreneur myself. Well, it involves jo- yeah. in podcasting for a it's while. It's actually now. John Legend, but Chrissy Teigen is you know next to him, so a major player in the story. Yeah, please give us the theory. I'm interested, and I don't think this is an original theory, but I haven't like read it anywhere else, so maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think it's because of the death of industry and like and like industrial jobs. You know, um, what happened was because my, my family was all steel workers until me. Like I'm the only you know one who like kind of like decided I'm going to be an artist of some kind. Everybody else was like literally working in an open hearth furnace and like 
getting steel embedded embedded yeah. in their necks, you know. So you're you're the first liberal pansy of the family, is what you're saying. I'm I'm the first real tough guy of the family, is what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, tough guy, <laughs> Hollywood. Hey, Hollywood. <laughs> One of my fucking cousins calls me Hollywood Jesse now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love yeah. that. Hollywood Jesse, you think you're better than me? Fuck out of here. Hollywood Jesse, running a running running the video department at Super Deluxe. <laughs> <laughs> Big bad guy over at Super Deluxe. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'll do it fast. Um, and, uh, <laughs> no, take and, your time. Industrial jobs shut down uh, because of stuff like NAFTA. Everybody, you know, couldn't find work. But then there was this thing that started then with the government saying, but you should be, you're, you're a creative class. You can be entrepreneurs. You can do your own thing. You can start your Etsy account and knit macrame tapestries and make as much money as you would have at a, any other job doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this bullshit that was sold to us, I think. You can be your own boss. Yeah, but it's not true. Like, Chris, you were saying, I think not everybody can do it, especially if it's creative stuff. Like, this whole idea that everybody can can be some kind of craftsperson is, is just wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also – I tell people this all the time. It's, it's also about – I think the stomach for uh, income spikes and dips <laughs> is a very is something that you have to like build up to. And I think if you're 30 and you've had a, a nice job with insurance and benefits and the whole thing, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I think it's time to strike out on my own. Mm-hmm. And then you know, a year in, you lose a couple clients, and you're like, shit, what's going on? Yeah. Like, it's just that's really like not only are people just not good at stuff. You know what I mean? I, that's fine. I'm not good at stuff either, but I've made it work. Uh, I, I mainly think the trait is having the stomach for it, you know, and like, and, and being willing to, to think that there's always, you're always going to figure it out. I think you're right. I think you have to want to do the thing that you're doing enough that you're willing to be poor and then be rich and then be poor and then be poor and then be poor. You know, you got to be willing to take the ride. Luckily I'm rich now. And also, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the creative jobs, you know, like working (laughs) in media or something like that. It's often reserved for people, you know, who come from wealthy backgrounds who can afford to intern yeah, at a magazine yeah. or a fashion house. Something don't like that. come, don't come, don't do that. Don't but, come for the, but, all the but, what I, but my point is, leave the sea level guys alone. Yeah, to, to really make it in that creative class world where you're able to operate without the safety net of you know a salary job and a boss and and healthcare and a four hundred one k. I think the people who don't come from that wealthy background and don't have that safety net who are just born into poverty and not having shit to begin with makes them a little bit more fearless, you know, to tackle that true definitely you know, that open definitely. open world. Yeah, I grew up I think you could say kind kind of poor pretty much. I, it seems like hyperbole to say it, but let's say lower middle class. Yeah. And so I don't I don't the feast or famine stuff doesn't bother me as much because I it's not scary. Because it's fine. It's fine to not have that much money. You don't really. Yeah, you you know how to live poor. I disagree. Um, I disagree. All I think about is being more rich than I am. You know, <laughs> that's really it. It dominates. It dominates my mind. But I'm also not willing to do bad stuff to get there. Yeah, you, you know what definitely. I'm yeah. Like I say this all the time. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm I'm like these these people that are like people are so mad about this Bezos going to space shit. And I'm like, guys, what do you what do you think these or like when they find out that like, you know, the, the CEO of their favorite corporation is a Trump supporter. It's like, of course they are. Yeah. Guys. You don't get that rich by being good. Right. You have to be bad. Right. Like you have to step on next to get to the top. And like, I'm just not willing. I'm just not a killer like that. I'm just not. 
Well, you you step on some necks, but not and you know not enough to get on a Bezos level. But we all have, we all we all step on a little bit of necks sometimes. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I've done some neck stepping at some point. There's a level of that though where I think you have to decide like okay, like am I? It, it's like it's like being a drug addict. You mm-hmm. you kind of know when you're like okay, it's I'm going to the dark side now. <laughs> I'm in the dark side, and I'm aware that I'm in the dark side, and I made the decisions to get to the dark side. It's very similar. Like You know when you're about to cross, and you can either stop yourself or you can continue. It's true. That, that's yeah. what I mean. As, a, that's what as I mean. a former drug addict, I can say there's a Rubicon that you cross. You know, and usually, It yeah, usually involves just stealing know. from your parents. That's usually the one where you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> slow down, slow down, slow down. This, there's worse things in the world. No, that's the, start, that's the start, I'm saying. That's the start of the bad stuff, yeah. Yeah, that that always that reminds me that the um, that scene in Sideways where he visits his mom. Oh God, yeah. And then steals from her purse, and while he says, "I'm going to go use the bathroom," that one heartbreaking. That one really hit close to home. It's I think it's not even from the he goes into her bedroom and steals like from a sock or something in her in her. Yeah, drawer. he's like, "I'm going to go up and take a squirt real quick," and then <laughs> uh, goes up into her bedroom, pulls the knot of savings out from her sock drawer, and peels off a couple hundred so he can, you know. All, all to support his natty habit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I do think that there, I, I mean, there's a lot of similarities here. You know, there really are. There are a lot of similarities here. But I, um, luckily, I never stole from my parents. Um, I'm, I'm shocked to say that. Well, you know, you picked up your drug habit later in life when you had a little do re me coming in i had a little scratch to blow myself but it'd be a little cooler for my memoir if i did you know what what were you uh what were you into chris um a little thing called oxycontin you may have heard of it it's sweeping the nation well not just that that was just the tipping point yeah that i mean i was just you know i mean jesse and i I, we've met before of course and hung out a little bit but i mean we ran in very in similar circles at certain times in our lives yeah um so, you know, there's some commonality there. But from what I know about you, Jesse, you were you were doing the real stuff. Well, Oxycontin's pretty fucking real. But uh, yeah, I was a heroin addict. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm saying, though, I think that when I look back, I'm I, part of me is like, I wish I would have done heroin. I could have saved a lot of money. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, it's just but it's fully it's fully like a stigma thing. Or or even for me, like, I wouldn't know. I, I didn't necessarily know where to get that. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I, like, got, I don't yeah. even know. Well, Where to start? I'm gonna say it wasn't it wasn't always easy to get it. Um, mm-hmm. Really? But yeah, ox- well, I remember I had this the the weirdest dealer I had made me come all the way up to Harlem, and I had to get on a payphone and pretend I was talking on it, and put the money in the coin slot, and then she would be on the payphone next to me pretending she was talking, and I I'd have to go, Whoa. hey, I'd have to go, hey, this phone isn't working. Is your phone working? And then we'd switch phones, and my shit would be in that coin slot, and her money would be in another coin slot. We did this charade every other day. That's Ooh. that's actually like so extreme. That that seems so un, un, unnecessary. But, but I what, but I could. But the thing is, I was beholden to her. You know, I, she was giving me what I needed, so I couldn't say, "Hey, <laughs> this is really stupid." <laughs> It, it wasn't your place to suggest maybe a new uh, drug delivery method. Maybe I just hand you money and you hand me drugs because mm-hmm. no one's going to bother. No one notices. In so you drugs. sent her a keynote of some new options and she didn't even open the document is what you're saying. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> she exactly. She w- uh, came back unopened. <laughs> <laughs> but what era this is? Is this like 90s or is this early 2000s? This was 2001, 2002. So right before you started working at Vice. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. 
I saw that you. So we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but Index is my favorite magazine of all time. Oh wow! Like cool. I have collected all the issues. Like I really, I really. It was a very pivotal thing for me to discover when I was like in high school. Right. Um. I didn't realize you worked there. I did. Yeah. Was that your first job? It was. So yeah, I was every summer in college. I was um a process server, like I serve subpoenas. You've been served, bitch. I've said that so many times I can't count. <laughs> <laughs> bro, bro, don't you weigh? Don't you weigh like one thirty? <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe when I, maybe when I was a junkie, I did. But nobody really assault. Nobody really assaults uh, process servers. They don't really care that much. I mean, it's better to be intimidating, though, right? I think, or not even. I think it sometimes matter. it's better to be like, if I hit this guy, he's going to turn to dust. Like they don't want to like go to jail for mm. murdering. Although mm. I got to say, this is I did actually have, and this happened in Point Break too. I had a German mm-hmm. Shepherd thrown at me once. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary but no so i saved i saved money um doing that for the first for the, for the you know the first three years of college and then the fourth year i applied to be an intern at index because i found it um like at a borders in my hometown in jersey yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah, so i got the internship and then i don't know it just worked out by the end of the summer they asked me to to come on as an editor so were you writing and editing or mostly editing I was mostly editing. I, that was kind of where I got. That was where I learned how to edit. And I got to say, I mean, if you know Index, you, I guess you know who Bob Nickus is, right? Yeah, yeah. But but tell the people. But Bob was the king of Index. Bob was the founding editor. Um, he's also a really great art critic and curator, um, still working now. And he he taught me how to edit, like definitely how to edit interviews and um, and and text. So yeah, I got into editing, and that's where I started to learn how to like you know find writers that I liked and ask them to write for me or find people who weren't yet writing and ask them to write. That's kind of one of my favorite things to do is to turn someone who's not a writer into a writer. Let me change your life. Yeah. Let me make you just look way cooler mm-hmm. than you are right now. Mm-hmm. Let me teach you how to make $300 a month. Yeah. <laughs> do you want 20? Do you, do you want $20 for a blog post? I can show you how. <laughs> okay. So what do you, do you remember maybe like the most, you know, influential or like the lesson that he taught you about how to edit that stuck with you over the years? Yeah. Um, I think it was to let the things that seemed like casual and conversational stay. That's actually really great. That That is great advice. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have a lot of opinions on this, but I mean, I think that like those interviews were so like that era in general in, in publishing. I think the interviews were like so loose and fun and seemed a little bit more friendly. Yeah. Um, I think now everybody is such on such high alert all the time. Um, and you know, it's celebrities interviewing celebrities and not in like an interview magazine kind of way and like a Vogue way. Right. Um, it's just, it's just doesn't. I mean, it exists in some places. I think apart, Apartamento is probably the best version of that. Yeah, like yeah, the, I agree. The, they'll kind of, they'll kind of like let it rock for a while. Um, but I think, I mean, do you think that we'll see? Do you think that it's possible that we could return to that because maybe the public will start to crave something a little more casual, a little more like revealing? I don't know. I'm not sure because I think also to have an interview like that work, it needs to be longer than most things are now too. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think yeah, it's also no, an attention right, span right, thing. Right. But the other thing he taught me that I want to mention, which is because I took it into Vice and made it a big part of my time there, is to let really smart stuff live next to really dumb diction, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. to have yeah. like you're talking about Foucault, but you're like being like, oh, Foucault, like, totally wow, man, like that kind of shit, you know, <laughs> which has kind of kind of become a cliche now, which is why I kind of do it that way. But to me, it was a revelation, you know, when, when I first started 
And I think Bob was one of the first ones to do it. He took things like high-minded like theory mags like October or something and meshed them with like really chatty fanzines that he was a fan of at the time. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I hadn't seen it before that, except in some fanzines. Yeah. That's kind of a thing that we at least tr- attempt to do on this podcast. We're obviously not as high-minded and academic as, you know, the stuff that you're doing. But do you think that you know, now that you've been doing this longer and, you know, you've you've gotten older and wiser through the years – you're still kind of packaging <clears throat> the less academic stuff along, or are you becoming more of just a true intelligent academic with uh, the way that you talk to people? I think that, well, first of all, you guys do pull it off. I think, um, Thank you. secondly, I don't, I, I don't regard myself as an intelligent academic. I think that, yeah, I, I'm always going to be, I am always going to sound like a Valley girl who just read like power <laughs> and knowledge. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's just, that's just who I am. So, so you, by default, without even trying, you package the high-minded stuff alongside, you know, something a little less high-minded. I think so, yeah. And I'm not the only one. I mean, when I was when I started at Vice, there were other people that I kind of brought in, like Leslie Arfin or Amy Kellner, who were also very natural with that voice. You know, yeah. Shout um, out to Leslie yeah, for sure. Shout out Leslie. I mean that that era. I mean, I just honestly think Vice has become such this weird behemoth, and it's like it's like obviously unreadable now that early 2000s era it was absolutely mind-blowing shit like i just remember i mean i distributed the magazine in atlanta like it would get sent to me yeah i remember that i would put it in my car and and drop it off and the way people were waiting for it like it was it it was a true thing so fun this is in atlanta georgia you know what i mean this isn't new york this isn't la it's literally people being like where is it where is it where is it Mm -hmm. and it being gone the same day that it came that's amazing you know what i mean so it's like and honestly i take away from that a little bit I think that our approach to this show a little bit is the I think that that magazine being good and that magazine being free made people really love it and crave it in this way that I think it I, I we approach this similarly yeah. where like I'm not going to put this behind a Patreon because I want people to experience it. Yeah. Like I want the most people possible to enjoy enjoy this and I'll figure out another way. You know, we'll we'll, we'll do some <laughs> triple five soul ads. You know what I mean to pay for this <laughs> podcast. It's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're lucky, maybe I'll get some some di- some diesel back covers or some American apparel back covers. <laughs> exactly. We'll get a diesel we'll get a diesel back cover. We'll get a we'll get a Fred Perry spread. It's nothing. But I think that the I just I think that that method of like hey if we do if we give this away for free it's going to have a a, a it's going to reach a wider audience. i agree it's going to yeah, be more popular. i agree but you know what actually i want to ask you guys some advice right here in front of all your listeners because mm-hmm. i don't my podcast is free too but i'm starting a everybody you have to have a sub stack now right that's like you kind of like required i think to start a sub stack i mean i think someone like you actually should but yeah required just in general or required if you have a podcast required if you're uh, in this world in this world yeah if you're if you're a waiter if you're a lyft driver like whatever (laughs) um but i yeah so i have one coming right and actually the first the first it's going to be reviews just long essay reviews of different things every every installment and the first one is actually by bob nickus um and it's great oh so it's gonna it's gonna be guests and, and you like a mix mostly guests i hope but that's the thing the question that i have for you guys is this i'm paying my writers because i can i never don't pay writers so now there's no really other there's no other way than a subscription model to get the money to pay the writers but i still feel kind of tacky about it what you're doing though is actually giving something specialized that people want do you understand what i'm saying yeah. like, i think that like 
this this style of like I just shit out whatever and and you pay for it is is going to come to an end. I think people are going to get exhausted by it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I pay for you know my favorite my favorite subscription uh, airmail. Um, that you know that to me that's that's fifty dollars a year. I'd pay a hundred because like I like to click on it. Like the same thing you know it's yeah. like it's Blackbird spy plane. Like he's created something that people are happy to pay for and click and read because it's specialized and it has names that they recognize yeah. and it's it's more interesting than just kind of like drivel for drivel's sake. Right. Right. Um, right. Also, I mean, you're not you're not trying to charge two hundred dollars. It's going to be what five bucks. Five bucks for like for a month, which is going to be like two really long essays. So I think it's not bad. Mm. I, I think uh, all of that is completely true. But another thing that I always consider with like the will it will it work will it work on patreon or or subscription model is like are you the type of person who people want to support or are you the type of person that people are just like like nobody wants to support chris black you know sad but yeah i was gonna say i'm that means that means i'm fucked too i think i don't think so i I mean because you know (laughs) you know you're 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 creating an environment that is making sure that like cool interesting unique writers are getting paid money to do good work that they want to do in like a free environment and that's a that's the type of thing that people are going to want to get behind and support versus us being like do you think uh you know creatine is fucking retarded or like have you tried smoothies see no i i uh, that is content that i would pay for (laughs) the grass is the grass is always greener well if if the world was filled with jesse's then uh you know we wouldn't be talking to you right now we'd be polishing our rolls royces i i think that makes sense i mean i think that like i would love to because jason and i during the when we were we were talking about you um we both realized that we had issue one of apology oh cool <laughs> like we both we, yeah we, we both, both had, had independently originally. purchased it on our own you know what is that almost 10 years ago now huh yeah 2013 but what about issues two three four and five not so much oh okay <laughs> i might have two but i did i was checking the website i'm gonna order the ones i don't have no because yeah, like, I, I, I i'm a completist i'll tell you what man i'm gonna comp you Wow, my man. Well, I figure I feel like you might be in a situation where you want to clear out some space in the garage. We've all been there. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I understand. I kind of, but yeah. I think that the I think the thing is is that 2013 was a weird time to do that. Whereas I think 2021, you would have a, a much bigger opportunity for that to succeed in a real way. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, why why do you think that is? Because that wouldn't be my initial thought. I think a younger generation that you need to capture to succeed or something like that is interested in print media in a way that that you were doing yeah right not in the way that like we were raised like we're not in a new york magazine new yorker sports illustrated whatever you want to say like weekly issue way yeah. but in a more considered like quarterly format yeah i think it's like i think about like there's a magazine called the skirt chronicles that i i quite like that these i do three, I, uh, yeah french, i like it i like it too french yeah. women do and and my or my friend in in greece that, that does kennedy and those magazines are are things that come out and there's a they they do a, a launch party wherever they are and it's a thing and they build a world around it there's a little bit of merch there's events etc right that to me is what apology is you know you know what i mean you did that first really is is, is what i'm thanks, saying thanks man but the problem is that i i'm the worst businessman ever that's not uncommon but like there are people that could help you do that it's not rocket science yeah like it's, it's yeah it's, you just gotta get yourself a chris black that's all i need me a chris black man I do think that the time is ripe, even like going into karma, which is near my apartment in New York. And, you know, 
they had they had a bunch of issues of index and like multiple people had texted me to tell me they were there because they knew I was looking for a few to complete oh, my collection. Nice, nice. And some of these people are some of these people are twenty five years old though, is what I'm saying. I think and they I know totally, what that yeah, is yeah, and, they, yeah. and they care about it. I think you're right. I get what you're saying. The thing is, yeah, I, I I'm such a lackadaisical business person that like I did issues one, two, three, and four in pretty rapid succession, and then I took a two year break and did issue mm. five. So like I've kind of told myself, um, in the, like from like this July to next July, if I can't make apology something that's actually viable, uh, I'm gonna kind of let it go. Yeah, I mean that's reasonable, but you have a full time job, right? No. Oh, you don't. Then you have no excuse. Bro. No. Come on. Let's go. Yeah, I, I know. I don't. I, now I don't. Definitely. I did have a full time job when I took the two year break, but yeah, no, not now, not now. So other than apology, what are you doing then? Um, I, I write freelance journalism. Um, I, I was writing for the LA Times a lot right before the pandemic, where I did some fun stuff for the food section. Oh. The one that I liked the most was I um, I went fly fishing in the LA River for carp. That was where Jerry Jerry Sue took photos. Yeah, right? Jerry t- Jerry took the photos, and then Chris from Night Market cooked the carp up into larb, and we ate and we ate it. I read that. I ha- and I have fly fished in the LA River since then. Excellent. I didn't time? even realize I was you. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done it a bunch of times now. Um, I go with uh, my friend, our, fr- our friend Ariel from Mister Green, and my brother, and a few other people, and we'll just go. Nice. Post up. I know Kyle from Brain Dead goes out there all the time. Damn, I didn't know it was a whole posse thing. Now that's awesome. Yeah, it's man. like a whole posse thing. I well, should get back out there. I was going with Lauren Malik. I don't know if you know her. Former former pro skater, now excellent carpenter. Um, no, no, no. Damn. Cool. And then, and then also, my mentor is this dude Lino Jubilato, who you gotta meet if you haven't out there. He will guide you to the best spots, and like he's the master. He was the guy that they did the the Vice Munchies thing on. They did. I, th- I, th- I th- maybe he's like a he's like a maybe he's like a Filipino guy who has been yeah. fly fishing there for like his whole life. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. They like Vice did a video on him, and they showed him oh, catching a carp, and then like making some. <laughs> Some like nasty ass like bootleg grill situation on like an old shopping cart and so like, basically frying, frying it up. The company, I, your story. The, com- the company I used to work for plagiarized me. Hundred percent. Yeah. Sick. Sick. Yeah. That's that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> no, it's I mean, fun. It's not a surprise. That's, to it's me. totally fun. Um, so do you yeah. do you still contribute to the LA Times most often? Is that where you're doing most of the stuff? Um, no, lately I have been doing stuff. I, actually, I'm, I've been writing catalogs for this gallery that kind of like Uniqlo owns in New York. This gallery that only shows so Japanese Americans. Yeah, that's been fun. So I've edited and write these catalogs, and then they produced them really beautifully. So it's kind of like just portfolio wise, it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. killer. So yeah, I do like I do one of those almost every month now. Um, okay, so you're keeping yourself pretty busy yeah yeah Outs- yeah so then why are we only podcasting once per month my friend uh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i got i i, I got lazy i got lazy. it's just like apology like all of a sudden i'll be on a, i'll be riding a high and i'll be like nah, but i want to go read these books and like lay by the river for two years you know mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it, I get it. Uh, what about, are you living alone or do you live with a life partner? I live with a life partner. I live with my girlfriend um, here in Herman, yeah. Okay, how um, how much does she light a fire under your ass? She lights it, I think, the appropriate amount. She's, my girlfriend is a really, really motivated, productive person. She's in, like, uh, in, in TV, and mm-hmm. she just grinds harder than, like, anybody I've seen in person. So even if she doesn't tell me to get off my ass, like watching her do what she does gets me off my ass. 
I know what you mean. People, because I'm the same way as you, and I think I, I was able to really up my production level, my productivity in general, by having a partner that was like really killing it and working hard and being like, I gotta, I look really bad compared to you right now. So yeah, a lot. and you gotta sh- you gotta show them up, you know. Yeah, we always have to do better than these goddamn women. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the pod is coming back, man. I actually I don't know if it's like. It feels like it's dangerous to say that I booked a guest before it happens, but I I booked Kim Gordon this morning. Damn, must be nice. So he's saying quality, not quantity. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He's he's shitting on he's shitting on our little podcast. He's like, I saw your little Phoebe Bridgers thing. Let me bring in her mom. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> I feel like you guys could get her, man. I don't think it would be a problem. I would love to get Kim. You know, musicians are, it's nice because they have shit to promote a lot of Music the time. is life. Music is Music life. is the breath um, of life. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're around. They're around and available to talk about themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is, yeah. you know, always a plus. But are you are you interested in her in her entire breadth of work? Or are you looking into the art side of things for this for this show? I like it all, you know. Um, I, I don't, but I, I don't really, since my, my podcast is kind of focused on a specific thing, you know, books, I, mm-hmm. anything else is kind of tangential. But well, something I like about her is that she would take um she'd steal lines from books and put them in lyrics and you wouldn't you would only know if you had read the book easter egg easter egg exactly there were easter eggs on like daydream nation and it's it's kind of um can i be honest with you you know watch it Chris. i love careful no no i love sonic youth as like a as like a thing and i think they're i, I just the music i've never really been able to get into it like I've really never, and I like so much stuff. That's like my zone. Interesting. Jason can tell you that is well, like my I, well, shit. Well, knowing you, Chris, it, I think their music is just a little too. I don't know, atonal, snotty, unorganized. You know, lacking. Uh, you know, some type of succinct structure for you, and that's what most people really love about them. On top of being, you know, musical yeah. geniuses. Yeah. But if you, when I listen, I love Sonic Youth. When I listen to them, I'm like, these lyrics are dog shit but i love it and then sometimes <laughs> and then sometimes the lyrics will be like an amazing you know line from a book that's an easter egg and it, and it brings you back around but you're you know sometimes it's just some throwaway shit but you don't care because it just rocks yeah it doesn't matter it just sounds cool i do love rocking i maybe i can i mean you know I, there's a few songs here and there but it's like you know i can listen to pavement all day long pavement um, is less chaotic yeah pavement might put some chaos they put a little bit of chaos in there but it's like within like a definitely like a you know three to four minute song structure you had mm-hmm. you had my you had our boy Malcolmus on, didn't you? Malk, I had Malk on. Yeah, I don't call him that, by the way. I've never called him Malk before, and I'll probably get in trouble for doing that. But yeah, I did. You know, he's a big tennis player, which is a subject we talk about a lot on this podcast. Yeah, we talked about tennis a little bit. I think he's pretty good from from what I've heard. I think he's a real. I think he's a real player. Yeah, I think so too. I I've never played him, and I can only play about two minutes of tennis before I barf from cardio. But. <laughs> Uh, I've heard from people who know him that yeah he's 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 a good athlete in general. What's your well, what's what's your workout routine now, Chief? If you if you used to do if you used to do powerlifting and you can't do cardio, what are we doing? You got a Peloton? <laughs> I have two Pelotons. <laughs> <laughs> you pit them against each other. It's smart. Yeah, I, I, I jump back and forth. It's kind of like it's kind of like um, Peloton plus whatever that French thing where you jump around on buildings is. Parkour. Right. Parkour Peloton. That's what I do. Pelcor. Pelcor. What do I do? You really want to know this? Yes, this is this is a big oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you just said I barf after playing tennis for two minutes, so you've got my attention. <laughs> I um I just do like a basic push pull legs uh split, you know, with mostly dumbbells and kettlebells in my in my carport. 
My man. Yeah. My man. Oh, you set up a little, so you set up a little gym in the cribbo. I have a, yeah, I had a gym in my garage in Mount Washington, but here I have a carport. So mm-hmm. actually the last two days I've been trying to build this shed to put the shit in so no one steals it. And it's been, um, pretty frustrating trying to get this thing built i feel like you i feel like you've experienced a lot of crime in your life jesse i feel like people i feel like, I feel like people are coming to take what you have you know, Maybe what I mean? on you both know sides I'm, of the coin too yeah kind of yeah i mean it's, yeah. it's funny my girlfriend says the same thing i mean i kind of ha- i guess i have i mean i i my family i have criminals in my family my dad was a burglar <laughs> you know and um i what my dad was a yeah he was a criminal and a heroin addict and all that fun stuff as well as a really great guy so you've got can't cheat a cheater mentality, right? I just kind of I call it the preemptive strike mentality. That's wild. That's a whole podcast unto itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, one that a lot of people are going to care about. You'd be surprised. I, you're being sarcastic, but you know, the story of a heroin addicted burglar is you know that's what they make movies about. That's it's true. It's funny. A lot of people have tried to get me to write about him, and. Um, mm-hmm. I never was able to because it just feels like sort of self-exploitative. But I I kind of found a way over the last year. So I'm, I've been working on a novel where he's the main character, but I changed it enough so that it doesn't feel like I'm just stealing from my life, you know? Yeah. Is he is he still alive? No, he died in 2019 because of his, uh, his, his addiction. I'm sorry. What was your relationship at that point? Was it good? The last time I saw him in person was 93. I visited him on jail, in jail and I was on LSD. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So was he so you guys were you guys were estranged or did you speak and you didn't see him physically because he was actually in jail? He was in jail a lot, but then also he moved after he got out from that bid sentence, whatever you want to call it. He moved down to bid. He bid. Bid's a cool way to say it, right? That's right. Very cool. After he got out of that bid, he moved down to live with my grandparents um, in Arkansas. So I didn't see him much after that. Or at all. I didn't see him at all after that. Not to make an insensitive joke, but visiting your dad in jail on acid sounds about the most vice magazine thing you could ever do <laughs> i know i should have done a whole should have done a whole issue about it that's probably why they hired me i told i told them that story that would have that would have gone faster than the eric lovois themed issue oh, so God. something to think about you know you know next next time i mean i just pulled that issue out recently it's really really good it's so sick i mean it's really really a different time but i mean that is that is i mean look i think all we have as people is our point of view you know what I mean? That's really all we we have. And I think yours in, in this case and what you've told us is particularly interesting and original. So I don't think I don't look at something like that as as uh, exploiting. You know, I, I think it's more I mean, it's yours. What do you, yeah. you know? It's true. Yeah, thanks. I think it's more you like know, the, it's like if it's I think it's I, I appreciate that, man. I think it's like also, though, my anticipation of the audience and the blood in the water of like some other guys like kind of pain. But I'm probably overthinking. It's probably just a really complex form of procrastination, you know. Well, yeah, that I can't help you with. <laughs> I that, that I think a lot of us. But are you a good writer? Like, are you disciplined, or is it something that you really have to like? Do you like putz around all day and then sit down at 8 p.m. with a pack of Parliament lights and get to it? You nail. How did you know that I used to smoke Parliament? That was my that was my brand. Is that just like the Vi- the Vice brand? No, I mean we all did. I right, mean, that's right, not, right. I think that's. I think any any. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I love that you think that's exclusive, but you know we all we've all been there. <laughs> You've heard of Parliaments too. If you were anyone in two thousand and two, you were smoking Parliaments, man. That's just what yeah, it was. You're right. 
Um, no, I'm pretty disciplined. I get I get a little hung up on the research phase and just turn that into procrastination. But I have like a two hours a day uh, writing habit. And if I don't get the two hours in, then I feel really bad about myself. So I tend to do it. What, how do you hurt yourself if you don't get the two hours? You ever hear of a hair shirt? I have not. It's a biblical thing. It's like a shirt that's inside out of like a really harsh, like coarse horse hair. And you mm-hmm. put that on and you kind of walk <laughs> walk around in the heat. You're paraded around the town square. Right. You're flagellated. Got it. That, that's actually, that's a great REM song for any of those. You're, uh, any of those. If we got any REM, if we got any REM fans out there, which I'm sure. It's we like do. a medium REM. It's not like a deep REM cut. It's a medium cut because of the era it comes from. But yeah, you're right. Or, oh, it sounds like Jesse might be an REM head, not to get us off track, but that, that you know. <laughs> Is this like a point of contention with you guys? Is like REM like. No. Jason and I went on, we, we, with our uh, girlfriends, we went on like a road trip and I was playing REM and, and everybody. He was just like, what is wrong with oh, you? Oh man, you know, like why? Why are we listening to Green? I'm like, Green is a fucking classic, guys. Green is about as good as music gets. It's great. It's great. Jesse knows, and and you know, I think, I, and I was, you know, not to. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Fables of the Reconstruction. I think that's underappreciated. We can play with that if you want to. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why would these two hot chicks who were not alive when this album came out not into it? That's just weird. I don't get it. Why would they want to be trapped in a car hearing that? Why would they not, not want call to be? yourself a hot chick, Jason? I'm not talking not about myself. I'm talking chick. about our hot life partners, bitch. <laughs> no, but I, I they're think sexy that, that, and they're cool, and that's why they don't listen to REM. Are, Michael Stipe's really, really, really sexy, especially now. He's no Moby. I came to REM a little later in life. It's embarrassing being from Atlanta, um, but now it's something that I listen to. Oh, we we forgot to even. Jesus, what have you watched the Woodstock '99 documentary on HBO? We got we got a lot to talk about. No, I have to do it, but because I went to do it on Hulu, it's on Hulu, isn't it? HBO. Oh shit! Then I can watch it because there's I think there's one on Hulu that I thought was the one, but it was like you need the Showtime add-on, and I was like, fuck that. No, no, no. But I have HBO. Yeah, no, I'm gonna watch that. I mean, people obviously like the show me your tits, like misogyny part of it is insane, um, and like kind of. I w- I wasn't going. I mean, I was into punk and hardcore, so I wasn't going to a lot of like big concerts during that era. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do remember that being a thing. But I totally blocked that out of my mind or didn't remember it until I saw this. Yeah, I, that era for me also. Like, I was very much. I was a I was a hardcore and punk guy. I was a rap guy, and I was a like Brit pop guy. Same, bro. Let's go, baby, my man. My man, the only genre that matters. Uh, Truly, but I three six too. mafia pulp. <laughs> Got to go from from Project Pat and move over to a little early Blur. The biggest takeaway for me, and I tweeted about this today, is that like because they, they have all these people, and this is not a spoiler, but there's there's all these people they interview that went to it, and it's either like a full on freak rockabilly comic book store cat lady, <laughs> or like a middle management it i live in connecticut right those are the only two people that came out of right like those are the only two people types that graduated from their from their attendance but the other interesting part i think is dmx being a part of that because his music was basically just like aggressive yeah in the same way yeah, very angry that, yeah. that limp biscuit and corn and corn was and there's this whole thing about basically a you know 200,000 white people screaming the n-word back at him yeah and that not being a problem for any mm-hmm. anyone which that would definitely not happen today no that's a little complex yeah 
Yeah. I gotta say though, I was I was never like <laughs> yeah. I can't I could never Complex. do like like mosh rap. Like I think Onyx was the first mosh rap, maybe. Yeah, probably. Jason, have I told you the story about my dinner with 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 Onyx? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the sequel to my dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> what's his what's his what's his name what's sticky fingers mm-hmm. um i was this is i mean this is obviously a long time ago it was it was uh i was in la on some cartel business and i was staying at the fame standard hollywood r.i.p mm-hmm. and um i was alone poolside eating and there were no tables and sticky fingers and one of his buddies were like yo can we just sit with you mm-hmm. so i was i said yes and i had a nice dinner with sticky fingers and he paid my tab wow <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, Chris. That's crazy. Yeah, super, super friendly. We talked about the music biz. Nice guy, like respectful. Really, like made sure I didn't pay. It was great. It was a good experience overall. Never saw him again. I don't think he was staying at the at the property. I Je- Jesse, I sympathize on on the mosh rap. That is, you not, feel that too, right? Uh, Damn, we got to get sticky on the pod now. He's around for sure. He ain't doing shit. I can hit him up. Actually, I I know him. I can hit him up if you guys want me to. Yeah, fuck it. How do you know Sticky? I don't know Sticky. I'm sorry. (laughs) 1,000% believable if that makes you feel any better about yourself. I gotta say, there is one mosh like like mosh adjacent rap group that I like, which is MOP. Sure, sure, sure. No, we don't like that Dusty. We actually, I'm really, really anti-Dusty-ass hip-hop, and we have a problem with that on this podcast. Is that too too Max Fish? Too Max Fish for you? (laughs) <laughs> i don't want to hear about i don't want to hear about like nas or fucking mop like all all of it just it's i'm i think maybe it's partly because i'm from atlanta and we've done better than that okay wow i wouldn't say you've Ooh. done better <laughs> but i would say i would say that you've Bro. i would say wait i gotta I'm, I'm gonna come back around to agreeing with you sort of i would say that you've done you've done better in a sustained sense but like first record like well, there yeah. are single records by those guys that are like you know are you wearing are you wearing your capona noriega supreme t-shirt right now you can be honest i'm wearing my smith smith and wesson t-shirt right now actually <laughs> oh there we go perfect thank god i just i don't know what it is about that i just have no interest in that and i just feel like that stuff it just has never done anything for me like anything else if you don't listen to it at the right time in your life it's like meaningless yeah it's also very northeast it could be related to the fact that you don't like philadelphia well i mean look what what is philadelphia really given us besides bike messengers and fatty sandwiches <laughs> the dead the dead milk the dead milkman which is pretty good well, that's cool that's cool okay all right i'll take that yeah. okay what else we got besides uh beanie siegel uh <laughs> diplos meek, meek mill you no know, he's not he's not from philly well he 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 cut his teeth in Philly, I should say. Yeah, he did. He claims Philly a lot, but he's a Florida man. Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even mean that. Damn. I know. I might be. See- Hopefully, this weekend I'll be building with Diplo in Las Vegas. All right, I'll be there. Are you? Have you already? Te- have you already texted him for the list, or is this like a? Not yet. Uh, I have to. I'm. I don't know if I have to go directly to him. I might go to one of his cronies because you know I don't want to bog his inbox with a guest list request. Yeah, it's usually. But but Jesse, what's your relationship with electronic dance music? It's pretty big, man. Actually, okay. yeah, I was a, uh, I was. Um, uh, it's a big relationship. It's a big relationship. It's a big, massive. It's yeah, it's big up. It's um, yeah, man. I was well, I was a raver in the nineties for a good a good amount of. Actually, the time that I went to see Damn, when this I, motherfucker, I did it all, man. Okay, what what? Okay, you're. It's in the nineties. You are a raver going to a rave. What room are you hanging out in the most? Where are you spending most of your time? <laughs> 
I'm going into the room that they in Philly they called it breakbeat, but I think it was just kind of like early jungle kind of music. Okay, I'm going to that room. Yeah, yeah. So it's the room where all the guy, all, like mostly guys, are like on their candy flipping, they're screaming, they're jumping around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll and then I'll move to the chill out room where the ambient where the ambient stuff is and the and, and the smart and the smart and the smart drinks. Can you can you t- can you tell our can you tell our younger listeners what candy flipping is because I bet they don't know. I bet they don't. I'll know. say lo- I also love your pronunciation of ambient. Ambient. That's the that's the British pronunciation. The- Darling, I only listen to ambient in this home. Only ambient. <laughs> Could you show me where the ambient room is? Excuse me. Where's the chill out area? <laughs> Um, <laughs> if kids don't know what candy flipping is, that's a problem. Candy flipping is doing um, E and or Molly and acid at the same time. That's right. There we go. I, I just don't think people know they've moved on. They've moved on to Ket, bro. Oh, and they don't. You know, they're not doing Coke anymore. The fact that Coke is back but also not back is really concerning. To it's me. weird that Coke exists still to me. <laughs> and I know that's y'all, narcissistic. Y'all are still on this thing. Yeah, y'all still doing that? Because like I, I mean, because I stopped it, but. It's also it just feels it feels a very retrograde to me. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it fits in with the times. I disagree. I think it's a timeless. I think it's the best drug out. Like if if there was a drug that I w- actually wanted to do mm-hmm. or or thought I could do and sustain, it would be that. I think it's the best drug for a half hour. <laughs> well, it is. But and then wrong. it turns into the worst drug. Yeah, then it's just maintenance for the for eight hours or eight hours of figuring out how you're going to get on that half hour to happen again. Right, right. Just forget blowing off all the conversations, all the fun of the night, and just like going on a mission to find more. Yeah, not even talking about forming all the bands no. that you have formed with strangers. Could you imagine a room full of the people that you only like met on Coke at five a.m. in Williamsburg? <laughs> like you see them all sober together. Oh, that's that's kind of what, what watching the Woodstock interviews <laughs> felt felt like it was just like yeah nice. yeah you know, you when the you, lights turn on and all the all the cockroaches scurry out that's kind of what you that's kind of what you're left with with the coke bros did you guys ever go to cokey's in williamsburg no is this a real place it's a real place yeah cokey's was a coke bar you could buy coke at the bar it was called cokey's you actually you bought it around the corner in a closet really so it was just a bar that everyone understood this is where you go to use cocaine yeah and the 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 awning literally says k-o-k-i-e-s cookies cookies with a k that's how you trick the police that's that's how the cops had no idea (laughs) but they would lock they would they would lock you in you would walk out at like 11 a.m i have a business card from cookies still it's amazing their motto their slogan is dress casual but in good taste so cool. Very good advice. I mean, yeah. So Jesse, as we're closing out, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the the, the magazine biz. You know, you've transitioned to podcasting. But what, like, how do you feel about the future of you know print magazines in general? Are we feeling optimistic, pessimistic? I'm feeling optimistic. I think the stuff Chris was saying earlier is really true. I think that I started Apology in 2013. That felt like a good moment. Then it kind of dipped. But then there was this big proliferation of magazines by younger people, people that are younger than me, like the Skirt Chronicles, like you mentioned, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think that people got smart and realized a magazine doesn't have to have a massive print run and doesn't have to have a really wide yeah. purview. You know, So you just print as many as you think you can sell. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Based on like just my 
book selling kind of like I play around with book selling a little bit too, and I see like the kind of stuff that like people in their twenties want to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good deal for magazines right now. I hope you're right. I mean, I'm gonna stay on your ass about this. Thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're I, your I content. That, we're your content sponsor. I need it. I need it. Do it to me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, call. Give I us a call. The, we'll the, come uh, over I with think- a pack of Parley's hot cup of Duncan, and we'll work this thing out. What I want you guys to do is stand over my shoulder and do shoulder presses while I'm working. Like, really, and look at me really ang- – stare at me really angrily while I'm doing that. That's absolutely no problem. That that I'll do for free. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah, we'll get we'll get Ladder Fitness to sponsor ball. that as well. We can, we'll make, make a little dough on the back end. Don't worry. It works for me, man. We always make dough on the back end. Um, thank you, Jesse. Really nice to talk to you, man. Um, pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Uh, you guys check out Apology, the podcast. What, what else, Jesse? Apology the co- podcast, apology the magazine, apology the Substack. I guess at some point soon, it's all at apologymagazine.com. You can find it all there. Perfect. Just so your listeners hear how magnanimous I am, I seriously hit me with your addresses, and I'll send you. I'll send you um, the library of apologies. Let's go. <laughs> Truly magnanimous of you. Thank you. And Chris, also, I can't wait, Chris, on some like kind of like yeah, some like uncut secret stuff. I have doubles of a few old indexes. If you're looking for stuff, we can talk. My man, my man. Well, I've got honestly. I bought a lot of it from one person in Australia on eBay in like 2009. Oh, killer! Um, but I need to go through. I need to go through and really look because unfortunately now it's like kind of split up between New York and LA, so I like yeah. don't have a full. I'm even. I, I built a little library in my room, my parents' house. I'm looking at right now, and there's shit here too. I'm just thinking of the carbon footprint of going from uh, from New York, well, to sorry, Australia, and then back to Jesse, New York. Oh. <laughs> Jesse will appreciate this. I'm looking at my my framed copy of the New York Times Magazine from February 4th, 1996. The uh, model's life, uh, Jennifer Egan profile of James King, photographed by Nan Golden. That's a grail. Oh, the, head, that's, the heads out there. That's real. That's very real, man. Yeah. In the other room, right, I do have right. my other personal favorite the the interview uh, Evan Dando cover, shot by Bruce Weber, signed by Dando. Yeah. So I'm just really I'm 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 luxuriating here in Atlanta in my, in the in the Black Family Library. Um, I'll stop boasting. You got a nest egg now, no matter what, man. Exactly. Yeah. For the five people that care about what I care about, I could make at least a hundred dollars. So yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, all right, Jesse. Thank you. Um, all right, cool. Thanks. All right. Later, mate.